It was a smoky bar, back when I was smoking in smoky bars, sitting on a stool at the bar, nursing a single malt scotch, sitting next to a relatively attractive older woman who seemed to be having a moment with me. Our hands were clasped together. Both of us had consumed a little more than we should have, and we stared longingly into each other's eyes, and she said to me, Are we having a moment? That's next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast here on a holiday. It is Juneteenth. It is overcast. It is relatively warm. There has already been a few raindrops, but that's been kind of rare because the other days, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, have been spectacular and, you know, kind of windy and breezy, but low humidity and really kind of perfect days to uh, celebrate Juneteenth and to be a part of a long weekend. I do kind of dance between, uh, should I sort of take this day off or do I need some work? Because I had some people who sent me some things to do, maybe thinking I wasn't involved in the holiday celebration. And that's fine. So it's one of kind of one of those days that I thought maybe it might be a good day to just sort of hang out in the studio and reel off a podcast episode and remind myself along with my subscribers that you know this podcast is designed hopefully to find ways to be grateful for small things and some large things as well somebody posted something on facebook not too long ago and i don't go on facebook a lot and i say that because i don't have it channeled or you know funneled to my phone so i'm not really staring at my phone the whole time And a couple of people, like, they like to communicate with me using Facebook Messenger. And I say to them, listen, I have text on my phone. I don't really need Facebook to be sort of an intermediary. Um, And so let's just do text, okay? And I've been trying to really kind of like wean myself off of Facebook because aside from some of the business things, you know, some of the groups that I'm a part of that I actually learn from and use their Facebook pages as a way to stay in touch and learn more because it's offered. It's sort of a closed group for various voiceover things and things relative to cameras and things like that. I don't have a lot of personal uh, use for Facebook. I don't, I'm not really involved in Facebook a lot, but I had the instance where someone posted today about uh, their their meme was, hey, I'm trying to better my life. If anyone has any big suggestions for me, could you sort of let me know? And I I've, I kind of chuckled at that because I've been sort of dancing around with the same thing myself. And I know I've addressed similar things on this podcast about the fact that I think we are all looking for these kind of big things to carry us to the next big thing because 
our lives are filled with such ordinary things. And, you know, Facebook is a kind of a platform to announce big things. And then we, after looking at everybody else's big things, we maybe have a tendency to get depressed because, wow, I don't have nearly the big things going on that that person does. And wow, I need more big things in my life. And in reality, I think what happens is that if we just shared all of the ordinary things, it would be, you know, quite devastating. It's funny, people who are not on social media will say, I don't want to be on social media, people talking about, oh, today I made meatloaf. But really, it's quite the opposite, I think. I I actually would feel better if the social media platforms really talked about the mundane, ordinary things, because then I would feel better, I think, about my life, because I realized that everybody else are just doing regular things. They're making oatmeal and, you know, they're taking a dump and, you know, they're paying their bills and, and, you know, all the regular stuff. But when I see people like, hey, I just wanted to announce that I just got a job where I'm earning $62,000 more per year and look at my Porsche, that makes me depressed. But then I think in answering this person's meme, I think that it's our job to find gratitude and enjoyment and satisfaction in the regular stuff. And as I said in my reply to this person, you know, I am not very good at this. I'm trying to be better, which I think, I hope, is the reason for this podcast. And I hope that as we go forward, that maybe I'll be better at it. And in turn, maybe you'll find ways for you to be better at it. I have to admit that I have been suffering from some depression lately and i don't have a problem admitting that this is not an issue for me i've been suffering from depression ever since probably in high school and although i never sought help or counseling or medication for it it just always felt like this was something that seemed to envelop me at certain points in my life and I really never knew how to deal with it and to a certain extent I still really don't know how to deal with it I mean I suppose that some ways to deal with it is to drink or to smoke marijuana or to buy something or just to be just to find a way to get over the hump because I don't think, as I said, it's a 100% enveloping thing as it is with some people. But I do go through these periods and I have been there lately. And someone will say to me, not someone, a couple of friends, I don't have many friends, but it just seems in the last, say, month, a couple of friends have said to me privately, you need to do stuff for you. You know, it's, it's, it's not just about, you know, being a caregiver and all this. You, you need to do you. And 
so at one point I said to my friend Mark, I don't know how to do that. I, I really don't. That's easier said than done. How do you do that? Like, what do you do? I used to get on a motorcycle and I would ride and that would be my way, but I can't do that anymore. So how do you do that? How do you jump out of your regular routine that seems to be kind of all enveloping and like make time for yourself? How do you do that? I don't know how to do it. So that in turn has made this period of depression to seem more acute. And so I'm not really sure how to deal with that. So I just thought I would sort of throw that out there. And sometimes summer helps the fact that, you know, the weather's warmer and it's not so dingy and dreary and cold and miserable outside. But sometimes it doesn't really help. And I I feel like the person who posted that meme, like I'm looking for some way to get over the hump, like who can make some suggestion to me? And it might be the best thing for someone else to say, why don't you just have enjoyment in making breakfast this morning? You know, try to find something great in the mundane ordinariness of that. And they would be right. But I think we're all looking for these moments, like a moment, like to be a brief reprieve. I've been reading these biographies and autobiographies of some of my favorite rock stars, you know, Robert Plant and Led Zeppelin. And I'm just finishing up Pete Townsend's autobiography. And, you know, I feel like Pete Townsend really used alcohol and drugs to really illuminate the moments to get him over what I guess could be considered to be a long-standing bout, you know, with anxiety and depression. And I feel kind of like the same way to a certain extent. And so we're looking for these moments. And I don't think that it's really bad to be appreciative of these moments because I don't think we're in control of these moments, even though I think we're seeking them. Like we want to find a moment like I'm going to go on a walk today and hopefully with my camera and hopefully I'm going to spot the perfect thing and I'm going to snap a photo and it's going to be great and I'm going to put it up on Instagram and everybody's going to love it. And that's my intent today. And I can't tell you how many times that just never works out. And then I'll sit down with an IPA at night and sit in my chair while Donna's taking her bath. And I'll scroll through the pictures that I took and they all suck. I mean, they're all, I would really be forcing myself to post this and say something great about it because it just wasn't what I intended at all. The lighting was off. The colors were off. I didn't really frame it correctly. It just wasn't meant to be. It just, you know, I intended to have this moment and it just wasn't the right moment. And so when I was sitting at that bar at the pewter mug, those many years ago, why, why I was sitting next to this particular person, a woman whose name I don't even remember. 
I mean, could that have extended into the evening? Could that have been, you know, a full-fledged stayover that night? I don't know. For whatever reason, it didn't. And, you know, why we were sitting at the bar, sipping single malt scotches, holding hands, I, have, I don't really remember. And I think it was a fair question. Are we having a moment? And when I think back on it, I think we were already having a moment. And our attempt to define the moment kind of ruined the moment. So I'm thinking, you know, had you not asked the question, maybe we would have ended up in bed. I don't know. I mean, I was young and virile back then and, you know, unattached and unencumbered. And, you know, really, for the most part, kind of a moron because I just really never had a girlfriend. I didn't, you know, most of my quote unquote dates were, I guess, for one of a better phraseology, one night stands and they didn't even go one night. <laughs> you know, they were kind of like one hour or, you know, in some cases one, I don't even know what to say. But these moments, and I remember that moment. So that moment must have had an impact on me because I still remember it. I mean, I still kind of remember her. And, you know, I remember sort of the lights sort of bouncing off the the bottles of liquor on the shelves behind the bartender. And I remember the bar, the sort of black padded rail. And for whatever reason, we were sitting there holding hands. I have no idea. I barely knew her, really. But it's a moment that I think in some ways, maybe at some point in my life, before I met Donna, of course, I mean, got me over a bout of depression. Who knows? When I was in the seminary, we used to have these guest professors who would come up to teach. And one of the classes that I was taking was a class in sociology, which was kind of a rare, weird class to be taking in the seminary because this is an area that just was not really offered in the seminary. Like we were too busy studying philosophy. And, you know, my major was literature and studying theology and sociology just seemed like something that people took, you know, at like a regular school and not at a seminary. But for whatever reason, we were taking sociology. And the regular sociology professor couldn't make it. And for whatever reason, the powers that be invited a guest professor to teach for a couple of days. and. I don't remember the person's name. It was Dr. Somebody, but I can't remember his name, but I do remember him. He was a Caucasian. He was kind of sort of, he had a little bit of a gut. He was short, kind of stocky, and he had some gray hair and maybe like a small beard and he was quiet and he was very pensive. You know, he he would go into these segments of the book and then he would stop occasionally and he would 
recount a story about something that related to something that we were talking about. And I remember one day he was talking about his childhood and he grew up in the northwest part of the state. And I didn't, to this day, don't know a whole lot about the northwest part of Ohio. I mean, Toledo's kind of up there, but I mean the northwest part. And I learned from him that his family owned a farm and there was a lot of farming, you know, done in that area of the state. And his family had a farm and he grew up on a farm. And he would, for whatever reason, based on the section of what he was teaching, he was talking about his family and growing up, growing up on this farm. And he was talking about the earth. And the way as a kid, he would go out and, and he would hold the soil in his hands and he would bring it up to his face and he would smell the soil. And, you know, his father would be walking next to him and looking at the seeds that they had planted or riding on a tractor. And, and he was kind of looking out in the distance and and the classroom had these big, tall windows, and he was just leaning against his desk, and he was talking about growing up on the farm, looking out you know, over the horizon. And all of a sudden, he started to cry. I mean, this thing, this memory of growing up on this farm moved him to the extent that he became very emotional about recounting his time on the farm. And he was almost kind of like blubbering a little bit. And he stopped. And I kind of looked around and, you know, obviously we were like, what's going on? You know, and some of the people in the class were like, they were really chuckling and they really got a big kick out of the fact that this man was recounting his life growing up on this farm and that the just the thought of the smell of that soil would cause him to be a blubbering mess and then later on in the lunchroom they were laughing and you know they were impersonating him and and i wanted to go over and punch him in the face and one kid in particular whose name was chuck not my good friend chuck but another kid named chuck who to this day if i met him i probably want to punch him in the face anyway because he made fun of john lennon on the day that john lennon died and if that i'll never forgive him i have no forgiveness for this person but that moment stuck with me i i've thought of that moment many times and this moment of somebody just being so open and not really concerned about whether people thought badly of him by being so in touch with his emotions over this event that obviously moved him to such an extent. And I've often wondered about that moment. I've often thought about that moment. And when I have tried to be open and honest with myself and not be ashamed or not be concerned about how people would feel about this moment of openness, tenderness. I'm sure there's some other words that I can't really think of right now. 
Uh, I've often thought of that. And, and really, I've been quite grateful for it, just as I've been grateful for that moment sitting at the bar, even though maybe at the time <laughs> it didn't pan out exactly as I thought it would. And I am grateful for those moments, though. And I think we have to be open to them, but it does beg the question these moments, are they things that just happen or are they things that we should actually go in search of because maybe we're going to be better for it? Donna and I have been trying to take walks. Well, I've been trying to get her to go more on walks and she's been pretty good on her own about I'm going to go for a walk, which I think is great. I love it when she says that. I love it even more when she takes her phone so I can monitor where she is with the Life360 app, which sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't. But I like the fact that she's taken the initiative in doing that. And so what I try to do in downtime or when the day is over is to get us to go on a walk together. And we don't even have to talk about anything. It can be in the neighborhood or we have an amazing park system where we live. And so we sometimes will drive to the park and walk. And so we've been trying to do this lately. And I had kind of a moment the other day that I wish I could recapture, but I don't think I'll be able to. And there are some days in the park when there's nobody there. And the wind is just mildly rustling. That. I stop and I just close my eyes and I just listen to the wind mildly rustling the trees. And sometimes she'll be in the middle of talking about something and I think to myself, just stop talking just for this one second. But I don't want to be rude and go, can you not talk while I listen to these trees? So I sometimes will wait until she's sort of between thoughts and then I'll stop. And the other day I was listening, trying to listen to these trees and something bopped into my head, like, like a moment that I had way back then that created a moment now. And in our neighborhood, when I was a kid, these older kids would have these bike races. I know this sounds weird, but they would get on their bikes and they would have bike races around like a series of blocks in the neighborhood. And us younger kids, our jobs were to stand on the corners. And if traffic were coming down and the bike racers were approaching like an intersection, our job was to sort of hold up our hands and go slow down or, you know, wave down towards the ground, like slow down motion. Or we would, you know, much like a third base coach in baseball who's signaling the runner who's you know running around third to head towards home, like don't stop, keep running, like moving their hand in like a windmill motion, like Pete Townsend used to do when he would do his power chords, okay? And that would be a signal to the bikers that, hey, there's no traffic, keep going. And so we thought that this was like a huge assignment, like an older kid would go, okay, you, Matt, you're at the corner of Arnold and 14th, okay? And Mark, you're on the corner of blah, blah, blah. So we would run down to our corner and like, this was a like very, very important job. And I remember one day 
I was on one of the corners and it was a beautiful day and the bike racers had gone by and there weren't a whole lot of bike racers. And at that particular time, there wasn't a whole lot of traffic. And I I just remember it was maybe like six o'clock in the evening, sort of approaching the golden hours. We photographers like to say the sun was just kind of setting, starting to set and the wind was barely moving the leaves on the trees. And, you know, I maybe could hear some kids maybe playing in the distance. And I remember standing on the corner and there was like a rock in the devil strip on the corner. And I was kind of standing on the rock, getting higher up to see if I could see some bicyclists coming around the corner or some traffic coming from the other side of the intersection. But there was nothing going on, no bicyclists, no traffic. And I remember standing on this rock and I was closing my eyes and I was listening to the wind rustle these leaves. And it was almost like pure bliss, like everything was right with the world, like everything was perfect. And sometimes in the park, I'll have that moment again. It's very, very rare, but I remember the way the sun sort of bounced between the, the, the groups of leaves and the way the leaves sounded hitting against each other. And there wasn't a whole lot happening in the background. And it was just a beautiful moment. And, and Donna was like, she wasn't talking. And like everything came together in like this great moment. And I was just, for that like three seconds or four seconds, I was just very grateful. So I don't really know what to say to this person who posted the meme. Rather, Other than just to say, you know what, I think that we are always in search of some kind of, for want of a better word, moment. We go in search of these things in order to drag ourselves out of the ordinary. I'm very, very guilty of this. And when we realize that the chances of us actually getting to that moment, like yesterday when I found this place, I wanted a taco and we get got Siri on the phone. I have this new radio in my car now that I can talk to Siri. I know people have had this for like eons, but this is like a new thing for me. So I'm kind of loving this. And even though, you know, now Siri knows every place I've been and so does everybody else probably. I was in search of these tacos and like, I found this place and I pull up and they were closed on Sunday. How can you be closed on Sunday serving tacos? I think that when we're in search of these things and it works out, well, like this is like a great time in our life, but think about the 99% of the time that they don't work out. And then our reactions to them, I think, are what separates us from being you know, morbidly depressed or just kind of ho-humming and saying, oh, well, that's the way things work. And there's a big chasm between those two things. And I think that these moments 
are unplanned and unscripted, and maybe they're better that way. Do you think? I think they are, even though I surely wish they happened a lot more often. But I think these are moments that we have to be grateful for. Whether we're sitting at the bar at the pewter mug or whether we're closing our eyes listening to leaves or, you know, boom, hey, the taco place, it's open. Yes. I don't know whether they'll be open today. It's a holiday. They probably won't be open. But, you know, I just have this craving lately for tacos. I don't know why. (laughs) In fact, I'm craving tacos right now. No, right now I'm heading out to have a quick uh, bite to eat with a pal I haven't seen in quite some time. So I'm heading out to have that. But in the meantime, hey, here's to moments, right? Here's to moments that are unscripted. And if they happen, fabulous. Hopefully they're enough to make you feel grateful for them. Uh, I think this is moment number 96, episode number 96. I'm going to have a big announcement when episode number 100 previews. Uh, I'll be talking about a big milestone in episode 100 and and big plans for this podcast. I don't know. I'm just saying that. Who knows what's going to happen? 100, 101. What's the difference? Why does it have to be a milestone, right? (laughs) I just defeated everything I just said. Oh, well. Hey, here's to you. Here's to moments. And uh, here's to you finding gratitude in them. And here's to you. You. And thanking you for downloading and listening to this, another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. <laughs>